Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I got us a dinner reservation so you can take several seats. As a gay, I love the rainbow, but my favorite color is off. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, can I just say, like, first off, your tagline was so much better than mine, but also I decided in the moment to emphasize every single word which was a choice yes that i made that did not make any sense a strong choice (laughs) i got us a dinner reservation so you can take several seats Seats. Uh Uh it was just Uh like the whole i was bringing it down a strong choice a bold choice Thank you. It was an Alto's Reckoning, I guess, or something. <laughs> anyway, you guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 312. And we might have ourselves a little bit of a kooky, crazy episode. I think you Correct. and I are both like a little extra zesty today. <laughs> very much. Very much. Y'all, we were discussing like my <laughs> returns to Andy's Girls. Like in the <laughs> lockdown era, I was like mm-hmm. feeling all the things. I think I did one whole episode that was basically you all being therapy for my mental health. And I'm past all of that. They're used to that with me. Nonsensy and nonsensical. So off we go. I am here for it. I just realized I have a stain on my shirt because I sauteed some mixed vegetables and apparently I poured them over my body before eating them for dinner. And it is, in fact, a white shirt. There is an entire country song that starts with, I had a barbecue stain on my white (laughs) t-shirt. So I just assumed that you were like, it's either Kenny Chesney or one of those, you know, vaguely (sighs) people. 
Can I also just say, I don't remember the name of this company, but they, it was like, it's an actress. I forgot her name as well. Apologies. But like, it's a shirt that says, like, I have one shirt that says feeling shitty. And this one in cursive, it's like a cute little white tee. And then it says overwhelmed. <gasps> oh my gosh. Like in cursive, which I'm into. It's like a little reveal. I also <laughs> love, cause like the fonts like juxtaposed to the sentiment. Yes. Cause it's like calligraphy. Overwhelmed. Yeah, it's like very like, pretty. And then that feeling shitty one is also very wait, pretty. Why does that fit you perfectly? Like overwhelmed but fancy. Like why no. is it, like why does that seem like exactly right? It's kind of my brand. It is. I have to say is like chaotic <laughs> cursive. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> chaotic cursive. Stop it. She's going to come for you for brand like infringement. Oh god, would love to see it happen. With a L A and then apostrophe. L A apostrophe. Of course. Chaotic cursive is is la. Is la. Is is where we are. We're just at la. Um so listen, I'm in New York in the cloth. You're in LA. In the Zoomy Zoom. Yep. Uh-huh. In We're, the apartment. What yeah. Do we have a name for your place of residence? Okay. Does it have a fancy name? Our residence doesn't have a name, but our courtyard has the Jennifer Hudson Gate. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it is called that because, so for those of you listening at home, hi. Uh, we live in an <laughs> adorable little like Melrose placey. There's like seven units on the bottom, seven up top. It's a horseshoe. Oh. So it's a cute little like courtyardy place. We know everybody. Um. But it was open to the street, and then Jennifer Hudson was shooting an Adam Sandler movie for Netflix. They shut down our entire street. They paid us all to, like, put lights in our apartments. And then we discovered that all she did in the scene that they used our apartment complex for was to walk out of an air upstairs unit, down the stairs, out, and get into a car. No lines. But, y'all, for this Netflix movie, they built a gate to match the stair railing ironwork. And then when they left, they left they it. They left it. And so it didn't lock forever and ever. And then our building owner like put a lock on it. So we have a fancy gate that Jennifer Hudson built. So literally we call it the Jennifer Hudson gate. Um, I'm very into this. This might also explain why Netflix fired literally everyone who's ever worked at Netflix. Because they were shitting money <laughs> in this way. I, I came home the night they were shooting. And we've talked about like, you know, I've produced a number of indie films. And like what they paid us to use our apartments. And they shut down our entire street. There was easily 50 crew members. There was like an SUV that she was sitting in and waiting. And all of this just to get one exterior shot to walk down the stairs and get in a car with no dialogue. I thought... You, it cost as much for you to do this tonight as it did for me to make my entire last movie. Definitely. Oh. And so now my. they fired all of the black people, people of color, and queer people from Netflix. But, you know, we have a Jennifer Hudson gate. So balance, I guess. Yeah, they literally fired all of the departments that were focused on, yeah. like, marginalized Marginalized stories. Anyway, and, yep, Netflix, I would say something mean, but I, like, love you guys. Honestly. I know. I was <laughs> so like, like, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not going anywhere. Heart Stomper broke my heart. I'm still watching the things. I liked it all of, like, the not even Bravo stuff. I'm like, I watch all of the reality shows as well. It's fine. I think also Netflix did a little bit of a Peloton moment. And Mm. also, even though we are Zooming, a little bit of a Zoom thing where I know that Netflix is different because, like, they were the streaming giant and now they're battling, like, a bunch of other giants. But also... 
everybody used them during COVID, during peak quarantine. And even though we are still in in the COVID days, <laughs> correct, it is a it's a different. We're at a different chapter. We're at a different point. So all these companies that were like killing the game have to sort of reacclimate to yeah. a new a new standard. I also, guess also and not and not to fall down the rabbit hole too far, but like because of how many international teams they have and how much mm. they increase the content creation in local markets in other countries instead of just like farming our content out i think it's just how mm. the budgets exploded and like they made those hundred million dollar deals with people and like at some point you have to be like oh wait this costs a lot well you know what <laughs> i would be i'm a charitable i'm a generous person if they want to throw me a couple hundred k you don't even need to get to the seventh digit if they want to do a collab listen maybe i should introduce you because we're about 15 minutes in and um and people and like, i feel like <laughs> who is who is this who is this rainbow gay <laughs> Um, listen, he happens to be one of my favorite people, actor, producer, director, you know, his recent work producing and starring in a very sordid wedding and Southern Baptist sissies, both streaming on Amazon. He's got some big news coming, um, that we were chatting about that I'm really excited about. And of course, Bravo Holics know him from the people's, the people's couch. couch. Welcome back, Emerson Collins. Oh, uh, thank you. You know I love it. I love it here. I love your listeners. You have one of the best <laughs> communities. Like literally, I was saying before, y'all. I was like, it's like my quarterly check-in. Like, how are you? What are things? Like, what are our like general? And I look forward to it so much. <laughs> so like, thrilled to be here. Hey, caller. Um, and people still talk about the show. I was at DragCon all weekend and we still get people bless their hearts. We're like, is it coming back? I'm like, y'all, no. It's been how so long. How long you told, how long ago was The People's Couch on? 2017. That's not that long ago. No, ago. but you know, it's like we did a whole lot of things and then we sat at home for two years. So it also feels like it could have been 2004. I don't know. Oh, I hear you. But did they did they tell you when a show isn't no. going to proceed to um, another? How does that work? We actually did because our production company knew because they pressed, you know, for a pickup. So like, yeah. no, there was not like an official. It's that thing where Bravo doesn't put out press releases about it. Um, but the production company does or doesn't know, you know, are you picking up? Are we going forward? Because are we moving this team on to other projects? So like you do always know, even when people act like, well, we never heard him. I mean, you do. You, maybe they didn't call and it's fine wait can i announce it here as well um we didn't discuss this i am starting a campaign to be a moderator at BravoCon. oh like, are no. you yes well because like okay they're not gonna have a people's couch panel let's be real we're like the r-list celebrities of bravo but like i want to host i want to moderate a panel you know it's like it should be y'all you big podcasters but like that that would be a good use for us so i'm telling you all here i'm har- about to start harassing bravo pr because i want to go um, first off, I'd love to see it. Number two, I bet there will be a podcast panel and it will be entirely probably like white gay men. men. And and it's going to be to talk about women's stories. Story. It's going to be called like women's storytelling. Correct. And brought it's going to be, I can't wait. By white gay men. By like, yeah, brought to you by white gay men. So I can't, I can't wait to listen to guys talk about I can't wait stories. to hear your podcast about the podcast panel <laughs> featuring white gay men talking about women's stories on a predominantly women watch network. You know what? You're probably going to be the guest for that episode. Let's keep it real. <laughs> Please do, because I will talk about how I could not convince anyone to let me moderate a panel. Um, and you can talk about how the biggest podcasters in the Bravo universe are women. And, uh, and you know, we've talked, I love 
love the the guys that do podcasts. It's just oh weird yeah, that no, it everybody's amazing. That it doesn't there's end up balanced. Not usually, yeah. There's not usually a lady. That's a lady all. That's there. All. It's not usually. It's not usually. Not usually. Uh, I mean, you know. Honestly, in my own journey, I have thought more about the way I talk about the women on Bravo because of the way women podcasters have like discussed the way gay men talk about women on Bravo. Like we're all growing together. In what way? What no, way have you... Just like early on, you know, KKC and some people have talked about, you know, yes. there's there's a way that we can discuss that can head towards misogyny, because even though we're gay, we're gay men, um, yeah. and try to keep it, you know, away from those kind of, le- those kind of things. That's all. Yeah, I think it's like one of those things that I don't know that the network typically thinks about, and right. it's, you know, it's ultimately their responsibility. Um, <laughs> yes. So it's or or their opportunity rather, of course. you know, yes. ideally. So I think that's going to be the most interesting part. And it obvi- it will be like a fight to the death, I'm sure, because oh, yes. everybody wants to do something. Of course. of course. And and I feel like content creators since covid you know, back in the day, I did a little Le Bebe, yeah. like, mini event with yes. um, Bravo Betch and Faces by Bravo at, yeah. at BravoCon OG. But, like, I don't know what they're going to do. I have no information, yeah. no, nothing about nothing. And I'm sure that there is a lot of conversation going yeah. on behind the scenes about how to even steer this ship between, like, celebrity yes. fans, people who are faces of various networks owned by NBC Universal content creators yes. and everything else it's but gonna it's, be a shit and media it's also though like moderating and hosting are actual talents you know people sort of take that for granted like being famous is not the same thing as uh you can be famous and be a good interviewer but it's like be as you know podcast hosting is harder than people think it's not just talking it's like driving a conversation and and moderating is the same way and i hope it just lands in the hands of like skilled people people who understand the network the stars, the audience, like what people want out of the experience, you know, because there are more than enough people if you get the right people. Yeah. And it would be nice, you know, if some of those people were genuine members of the community. Yes. Um, super stands, which I think they actually did a really good job of the first go around. Like I had Evan Real on who is with um, Page Six. And when he moderated a panel, he moderated a producer's panel at BravoCon. He was with, I think he said, um, The Hollywood Reporter. And I still, I told him this when he was on AG recently. I still remember his panel. He was a fantastic moderator. And I remember sitting in my fucking seat thinking like, he gets it. And he, you know, you wouldn't necessarily know by somebody being with a large media institution if it's you know not deadline but if it's like the hollywood reporter or something else you wouldn't necessarily know if that person was um in and of themselves a bravoholic and so to see someone like evan who got it who knew all the jokes who understood the audience that was that was great and that's all it needs to be is people that have the depth of knowledge to understand the right questions the right boundaries the right places to push the right places to like have fun Absolutely. So that we all get to live vicariously through the content, I'm sure, as I watch it on Instagram like I did last time. It's fine. (laughs) Well, I mean, the one thing that I will have to say is for those of us who attended the first go around, we truly had no idea what to expect. And I don't remember when the itinerary was released. I think it was relatively late in the game. People truly didn't know what this was going to be like. We knew it wasn't going to be like Firefest, but we didn't know what it was going to be. And every single person 
I connected with about this, myself included, was blown away. It was honestly, and from an event producer perspective, it was impeccable. This yeah. upcoming year is going to be even bigger because they're at the Javits Center, which yes. is fucking huge yes. here in New York City. So not that anybody needs, uh, if you want to go, you're going regardless. But just to say, I think everybody really truly got their money's worth. They did an incredible job. Yeah. They well, really did. And I'm just thrilled for the expansion because like, I literally could not get a ticket. You know, I mean, they sold out a in like 20 minutes couldn't. or whatever yeah. that morning. Um, so it's exciting that they understand the demand. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to see what how it meets it. What would your ideal panel be? Would it be a show? Would it be a concept? If they said, to, if Bravo came to you, if Susie Bravo knocked on, or rather William Bravo <laughs> knocked on your door and said, you, Emerson Collins, get to choose whomever you want to speak to about whatever you want. It could be a theme or a show, whatever. What would you, what would your pick be? If, so if we go like make my own, I would love a producer's panel because I have produced mm. in both TV and film. And as a fan, the unique challenges of like dealing with the cast and the network and the stories. Like, I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding, I think, from fans about what mm. what production does and doesn't do. You know, we blame production, right? Like, oh, they pushed that story. They whatever. And I think the great producing of the best seasons of the show require a lot of, like, wiring down that that down the middle. And I think the more we hear from them about how they build the shows, how they build the season, the process of shooting, and then figuring out what, you know, that hearing that articulated, I think, would enlighten a lot of people because I often see stuff that it's like, oh, production. And I'm like, that's that's not how production works. Like, that's not production can't, you know, do the thing that you have decided they can, et cetera. And I just love that part of it. Is there a particular moment from any franchise or a season or an episode arc where you just have so many questions about behind the scenes of like, how did you navigate X and Y if that's a situation? Or uh, a there's, I think I think anytime there's been a big explosion, right? Like I think the Monique mm-hmm. and Candace thing. Yes. You know, like I think the moments where production had to pull back and show production, you know, it's like, what is it like as a field producer standing beside an argument occurring, right? Because you're, there you are, you're all standing around an argument and what do you do in in how to intervene because these are grown-ups making grown-up choices and technically you're not responsible but also you don't just want to watch bad things happen I feel like hearing a lot of the insight behind some of those biggest moments you know I think of like even Porsche Family Matters with the family down there Mm. I'd be really fascinated to hear from field producers about the experience of being the one on the ground when a like sort of quote-unquote crisis is occurring you know because Somebody has to go jump or don't, right? Mm -hmm. That's a lot of responsibility. Who's outside mowing your lawn? I know, sorry. Like, suddenly he walked right up to the window. Hey. (laughs) For a second, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun for the listeners. And I'm sure they're not going to give me feedback. I know. Be like, y'all, it's me. It's my fault. Did he go far enough away? Because he walked right up and now he's gone. Yeah, I think he had some questions about Erica versus Sutton, and then he realized we hadn't gotten to that part of AG quite yet. So understandably, he went the also they only come like every two weeks, so of course they're here right now on the. Cloudy That's every Thursday. every day of my life. I haven't ordered something, but FedEx is downstairs ringing ringing the door for another apartment that's not home. And as I almost always am, it happens in the middle of recording. Also, time, the, they time. definitely have you marked as the call. Like she's always home person. They yeah, definitely, they definitely have in their system. Oh, check with Sarah. Like, definitely. Yeah, they, they know. Like, they if they're know, not home, they buzz her. Up. She's always home. And I'll, 
I'll always let them in because I'm like, there's a 3% chance this is for me. Yeah. And it, it isn't, but, you know, there's still an opportunity. <laughs> there's still potential. I hope all your neighbors are grateful for that no, they, service you know, that you provide to the building. You know what's so interesting? Tori Healy, Lisi, love of my life, who decorated my apartment with Studio Piccolo. Yes. She was here one day and she said, you know, your neighbors are all so mean. And I was like, they are. They All of the beloved OGs have moved out as rents have exploded. And it's all these fucking young fuckers yes. whose parents are footing the bill, yes. who like party. And we, this is an elder. This is like almost a retirement community at yes. this point. I've been here for a decade. Like, Settle down. This is you should not be speaking because the walls are thin. Just be quiet and take off your shoes when you walk in. Yes. And just go lay down. Just Correct. lay down for a year. <laughs> just until lay your down. Lace is done. It's fine. Just lay down. This I know. Is, this is the world. I'm like a Pollyanna about people. Like I want everyone you meet to be wonderful and like give them the chance to be wonderful until they're not. We had the we had mm. a we had these people move into our building during the pandemic, and I'm like, hi, we're across the way. I'm Emerson. Like we're not, you know, no one can go anywhere. And they've just been terrible, yeah. terrible, like sounds yeah. and loud and whatever. And they've just moved out like two weeks ago. And there's been <gasps> a very like ding dong, the witch is dead quality about like literally everyone else in the complex for the last two weeks. It's sort of hilarious because we were all like trying, but it was like, you're ruining it. There's, there's so few of us and you're ruining it. It makes you wonder what it must be like to be like at the table next door to yeah. the table of housewives arguing like the women on New Jersey sat on an after show that when Teresa, you know, um, rocked that table over in Nashville, wine got all over other people, private diners who were just covered in God only knows what Cabernet or whatever else. I mean, that's got to suck a little bit. Got to, if you're not a Bravo fan, if that's you are, the thing. It's, the it's like ever happened to it's you. only Look. going two ways. I'm like, if it happened to any of us, I'd be like, I'm never washing this shirt again. It's getting hung up in a museum. One day I'm going to pitch it for the clubhouse. Like, here's the shirt that the wine spilled on. But can you imagine being a random stranger, like just going to dinner? You're like in Nashville for the weekend because you loved Hayden Panettiere in that show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved the Nashville TV show so much. Thank you for indulging that. Connie Britton can do no wrong. <laughs> Uh, we literally joke in life that, like, Blake is Julianne Barnes and I am Connie Britton from Nashville. Anyway. Oh, my God. Uh, but, like, you're just on your vacation in Nashville. And these New Jersey people, like, are at the table next to you. And first of all, you're like, they're loud. And then there's this giant fight. I It's one of my favorite things in the world, actually, is when somebody tells a crazy story, imagining how the other person tells the story. Or like the other bystander, you know, it's like this happened. Da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, but what did the bus driver say when he got home? It was like, you will never believe my, you know, that it's one of my favorite mental games is imagining the, the poor bystanders version of like an insane set of events. Because I think everybody around them, if you are in on the joke, you know that this is insanity. This yes. is not this is like. As much as we talk about the reality, it is an extended kind of, it's a hyper reality or an extended reality. It, it is in and of itself its own universe. So when you are able to like not quite pop the bubble, but scoot real, real close to see it, yes. there's something otherworldly about that because it feels like you shouldn't be able to. Well, yes, because if you think about it, the like fights we watch reality show people have in public at restaurants in lobbies in wherever 
In real life, the only other time you see that is on like an episode of Cops. Like if, like if you're there and cameras are shooting a thing, it weirdly gets to be bigger, louder, and last longer because you're like, mm. well, someone is sort of supervising that. But if you saw it without cameras, you'd be like, we gotta get the fuck out of this restaurant. Like those crazy people, that she just threw a glass at her. We have to go. I have to go. Or you would like be calling for security. It is kind of an odd experience. And you think even about the Jersey reunion, which just wrapped and the idea that, you know, Teresa had emergency <laughs> surgery a, a couple days before, a, a week before, and had been told by her doctors, don't yell. I would, if you had told me that that happened after the fact, I would have been like, no, that she didn't have any. Because the woman was at peak. I think she was at peak tree. Yeah. Well, also, I guffawed at that, that that was the opening of that reunion. I was like, <laughs> is there a nurse on set? Like, did she have to sign? Because, like, when I got my appendix taken out and I left the Silver Lake Medical Center to, like, drive across town to check myself into Cedar sinai you're welcome. I had to sign a release form that said, like, against doctor's orders, I am leaving the hospital right now. Like, surely they made her sign one of those things because, like, the directions where you cannot get upset or angry and, like, have you met this woman not in a coma state? That, like, she's definitely going to get angry or upset today. So, like, what are we all doing? If she was literally told by a doctor, don't do that. But we're like, well, you're grown. Make your choice. I mean, I think that there's probably a little wiggle room, right? Uh, of course there is. it didn't just yes. happen. And she, she was able to recover at home. And then I think... I mean, was she was she muted? I don't even remember. No. Was she muted at all? I don't no. think so. No, it was like fully, it was like the best worst, it was like the worst version of her ever. It was so interesting. Uh, I can't, I can't. Tell her. me. No, it was well, so interesting. Tell me. Here's tell the me. like, I speaking of like misogyny and whatever, the problem with Teresa is that she's dumb. Like, and, and nobody will say it, but that's the root problem. And I don't even mean it as a judgment. I just mean it as like an objective truth at this point. Because we, people have an argument with her, they have a discussion with her, they give evidence to her, but she cannot process the facts as they are presented. And so, like, they keep, like, like she doesn't understand hypocrisy, the concept or the word, I think. Because, like, everybody presents, well, if you say this, but then someone else does the exact same thing, you do the opposite. I don't think it's that she doesn't care. I think it's she literally doesn't understand that those are the same thing. It's like the whole analogy thing. Like, she didn't understand what an analogy is, so we had an argument about the analogy. And so they have these circular arguments year after year after year where everyone's like, we're trying to show you that you're yelling at her about something that you also do. And not once have we seen her, like, register that connection. What's the difference between intelligence and insolence? And insolence? Yeah. Uh, well, like, it, to me, insolence is, like, pouty, you know, like, I, th it, yes? What I'm trying to say, and I might not be communicating it effectively for the, quite literally, very <laughs> first time, is, like, what's the difference between saying that Teresa's dumb and saying that she's making a choice not to understand? Like, I think she is making an active choice, oh, which is, okay. to me, different from questioning her ability to comprehend, which I think is also a valid critique to say that she's not catching up with the ride and Marge is like running at a thousand miles yeah. and Teresa's like That's, going yes. in a different direction, sometimes at a slow crawl. But still, 
I do think she is making an active choice to just disagree. Oh, and see, and for me, it looks like it looks like she's making the choice not to listen. I, but for me, it just looks like because not once for me have I felt like I saw her register what the actual argument was. And then, like, choose to, like, say, I don't agree. For me, it's always looked like, I don't, I just don't think you understood their point. Well, I think that for Teresa, there's an aspect of her that believes that changing one's mind is a sign of weakness. A hundred percent. And at the end, it was, I thought Andy did honestly such a good job with the Jersey reunion. And at the end, when he was like, because he seemed so curious and the way that he was talking, to her about her honestly to me felt like someone who had a lot of curiosity to understand the situation this is like the millionth reunion that he's done but to me that was very effective for both the cast translation as well as the audience and at the end when he said to her essentially something along the lines of like have you ever changed your mind before yes and we didn't get not that he asked for a specific example but I don't know that anyone at home was like, oh, right, that time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She, that was a little bit of a huh moment. Yeah. Maybe even more so than like the question about Melissa that led to the blackout. Like, yes. I think the, the oh, idea yes. of like, have you ever changed your mind or acknowledged, you know, like the idea, the whole mission or motto of AG sometimes is like normalize changing your mind based yes. on new information. Yes. How does Teresa process receiving new information to herself? Well, and see, and I guess, and that's where I'm being uncharitable because I'm like, I don't think she does. And for me, that ultimately becomes like dumb. Is like the, well, I think that there's a place for I mean, there's a place for all. The, I don't think that that's I don't think it's a matter of being uncharitable. I think it's a matter of it's your opinion. Well, but it's also mine is because weirdly I still have this like love for her. You know, there's like mm-hmm. I root for her for all that she has been through. Like there's so many impressive things, and part of it is that same dogged nature is how she has climbed over the obstacles and the Joe of it all, and like all of that stuff he put her through. Uh, you know, I I can't even fathom, and so it's like it's. A lot of our personality traits are two sides, right? Like in in one way, it's really beneficial. And in the other, it's a detriment Mm -hmm. to us if we don't. But it's that. It's like, I feel like, I think I was sad watching it because I don't, Mm. I think Marge, there was definitely an element of like wanting to protect you. I do care about you, you know, before it like went all haywire. And I do see how much Joe loves her and is frustrated by you know, he's like, you say we do this, but then you do that. That's the same. And like being unable to get through to your sister. It's like if anyone should be able to help you process new information, surely it should be your family. And he's like, mm-hmm. what you have left? And it is. I just always go like, I wish that once she could sit still enough in the argument or the discussion to like hear new things. But it's clear everyone ex- has accepted she won't. You know, it's Dolores is like, I, I don't try. Like... You know, I love her as she is and God love her as she is, you know. Um, but she got closer this season to a couple of times being like, well, I may not, but like, that's who she and because we, you know, at a certain point you love people as they are or you don't, right? Because if it's not going to change, you become the fool for like waiting on it to happen, I guess. 
Well, it also seems like to Teresa, love means never asking the question. Like it does. the fact that yes. Andy was trying to reason with her and essentially saying, if my best friend was seeing someone and there was all this shit out about, you know, the person my friend was seeing, I would ask them what the fuck is going on. And he says, like, essentially, can you understand that? Cutting in with like the comparing it to Dolores and Teresa says with a lot of pride that Dolores didn't ask her any questions about it, which to me is like an indicator that friendship with Teresa means understanding she doesn't want protection or basic, you know, questions that you would ask a friend. Yes. Well, and it's interesting because it's like, and Dolores can sit and go, that's fine because she's not family, right? Ultimately, Mm. no matter how close your friends are. But it is, it's like, it means you, there's no accountability of any kind. But also there's no protection, right? Because like we should all have at least the couple of people closest to us that no matter what we're feeling, if that person, that family member, that partner, that best friend says, hey, you aren't seeing this right, we at least stop and listen to them, right? Like I have those handful of people that no matter how intense I'm in the thing, if they were the, if one of them was like, I don't think you're right here, I would at least go, okay, explain it to me why I'm not, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it feels like there isn't anyone in that category for Teresa. And I think it would benefit her to let one or two of them, and I think your best friend and, like, your brother should be able to be that. You know what I wonder, too? Like, she doesn't necessarily have anyone in her life. The only people that she will probably allow to ask questions are really her daughters. Yes. But I just wonder what the standard is in the relationship with Louis, because she's already providing an environment in which she's saying to him, regardless of what you have done, I don't care. So I wonder how that affects a relationship when information could be seen as a, a form of accountability of like, I'm holding you accountable as my partner to explain to me what happened in your prior relationships because it affects me for her to refuse to do that and to say that all of those people are trash and asking the question is a trash move and duplicitous. Like, how does that, what kind of, (laughs) I I know that sounds like incredibly, I, I don't even know what, but like, what's the foundation here when you're saying to this person who's done questionable things in his life, like that that doesn't matter what does that say about you as his partner right well it's funny i did feel like dolores captured that really well she was like look it was so bad before that so many things seem better you know the like shelter yeah because of joe yeah that thing she said and then sort of instantly wish she hadn't because she was like i'm not calling you a like i'm not that's not what i'm saying i'm just um that i thought that was really perceptive right that like if you have been through significant relationship trauma lots of and lots of the bar of what seems vastly better is very low. But yeah, not to even be able to have the space to say like, wow, so there's these things. Tell me about them. Tell me what you've changed or learned, you know, from them. Because it doesn't even have to be like that that's all okay. But you can also explain I've done things that I didn't, that I'm not proud of. And this is how I'm different and what I've, you know, there's lots of responses to that. But uh, to not be curious, I guess, that's what it is for me sometimes. That like Teresa's not curious. Because it's like, I've just decided, and therefore that's it. Yeah, and I also think, you know, there's an aspect of responsibility that I would think a partner would have to you in their behavior as a form of reflection. Like, you are telling the world 
with this engagement, with a partnership, with whatever else you are choosing to be aligned with this person. It's the idea of marriage as a form of like a business relationship, but for love, you know, like that's the, there are true, quite literal legal aspects, which Teresa knows an awful lot about at this point. And I just wonder for her, even in how she reacted to things versus how Louis reacted to things, he's telling her, if you love me, you'll calm down. What does it mean if she can't control that impulse, but even more so she can make the choice to disagree with him? Like what happens? How does it work that Louis, who is the one affected, who Teresa is ostensibly defending, is saying he forgives Marge and Teresa's continuing to battle? Right. It's like, oh, so it isn't about me. It's about you and your pride and your place in this group at that point. You know, it. if I have said it's not that is not what I want, that is not how I want you to defend me. That is not how I want us to move forward with this people you know that we know. And then you continue. Then you are sort of clearly saying it's not about me. It's about you now. And, and yet I don't know that it is really about Teresa. Like, I don't I don't believe that she's holding on to this only I think somewhat but as some sort of like selfish or central thing or the fact that she can't comprehend the new information or the idea that you can change your perspective like the idea of forgiveness to Teresa is incredibly foreign to her she doesn't understand it she doesn't agree with it maybe the idea of forgiveness and that's a tough thing to witness they go hand in hand right you have to be perfect in your like relationship to me your defense of me your loyalty to me if perfection is the standard then forgiveness is impossible right because you know you have to allow that someone wouldn't be perfect in order to also allow and therefore i can forgive and understand and move forward it's like it does sort of make sense it's all or nothing so like there is no gray so forgiveness inherently is about gray it's like you have done something i don't agree with but we are going to choose to work past that is the is the bedrock of forgiveness as a concept yeah, and it's also like the reflection of perfection. Yeah. I think is kind of interesting because it makes sense why Teresa is with Jen, even more than like why Jen chose Teresa, regardless of like power right. in the dynamics of the cast. Because Jen does that too. Like she's she's combatively trying to convince people that her life is perfect. Yeah. When it's obviously not, we've seen what happens when she's confronted with the idea that it like maybe never was. Yeah. And yet she continues to say that where she and Bill are is perfect before yelling, screaming at him sort of in front of the cast minutes later. Not to say that she doesn't have the right to, but also like at what point can we let go of the idea as perfection because... It doesn't exist. Right. It's like what what if we let go of the mask of perfection and understand that people are inherently broken and like make good choices and bad <laughs> yep. choices, but you're choosing to be with someone. Isn't yeah. that closer to the perfection ideal? Like the idea that you're still working. I think that shows yeah. so much character and and grace to to embrace the struggle yes it is where the like reality show of it all i think impacts stuff right like you know it, it can only be real up to a certain point 
Because mm. if you and I, you know, if you're like, you're being terrible, you're being misogynist, you're be- if we're just having a conversation in real life sitting on a park bench, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, wow, I have a lot more room to be like, tell me what you heard, tell me how you understood, let me clarify, let's chat, whatever. There's lots of, like, air that can be let out by being like, there's an element of like, oh, but the cameras are on, where too many people's approaches don't give ground no matter what, because you may not get it back. Right. Like, I feel like that Mm -hmm. factors in sometimes of like, if I admit there's a thing, can you use that? And I don't even mean consciously particularly, but I feel like if we're having a same conversation and you need to call me out about some behavior of mine, if there's cameras six inches from my face, it's going to be so much harder to go, oh, okay, I was wrong. Even as someone (laughs) very prone to admitting I'm wrong, often often uh but you know i just feel like that that part of of it i don't think we are ever able to factor in enough for why some people do or don't really hit like i want to paint the best picture possible i don't know did i get somewhere with that did that make sense no you totally did and also what does it mean to admit you're wrong on camera on versus off because like i think we're seeing that a lot in beverly hills and before it we switch over to what was to uh, me a prestige episode. I correct. do want to ask you about one quick thing because yes. I was I'm curious for your thoughts about Louis's um I'm curious for your thoughts about Louis's responses and then I have a follow-up question pending your response. Well, it's interesting. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm not as good a like purveyor of like the off network content. So like I saw like the screen caps of the videos and stuff. I'm yeah, not Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not no, as No, no, I get that. But my yeah, but yeah, yeah. to this, so I'm not as deeply familiar with like what all of the actual accusations uh-huh. from the previous partners and things were. But I did find interesting the way he performed the reunion or the way he chose to attempt the reunion. It was so interesting to me because I thought if they had done that, like the third episode, the first time Margaret brought it up, if Louis had just come in and said, you know, what he Mm -hmm. was going to say about it, it would not have been, you know, they could have sniped about it later, but um, it would not have been the conversation it was. And so for one, I thought y'all should have just sat and done this when Marge said he needs to sit and do this. uh, And it wouldn't have been this big thing because I found his choice to like, own it in a in and give explanations um and the and the way that he was like i want to move forward with these people um i was sort of impressed that is not an approach we see men on these shows particularly respond to that certainly that level of criticism much less much other you know so not so i don't i mean it as a i don't have a value judgment on the specific accusations but i understood some of the things he said made sense to me and I thought reaching out a hand to Joe and Marge made sense. One, mm-hmm. for their jobs. Um, two, for their relationships. You know, that is your actual brother. Um, that I was impressed by. And I did think, like, if she would follow some of his lead, it would have played better for everybody. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know... I did not know that Louis had been fired from a company he created or led or whatever as a result of the show. And it was interesting to watch Teresa refuse to process that because the reality here is like we can't like one plus one doesn't equal 18. And yet we're continuing to enable a conversation in which Teresa is saying things that that just to me are they just don't make sense. It just, to me, genuinely, yes. sincerely, it does not make any sense that Marge is like, 
at the police library or whatever looking up files right to figure out these things to then leak to accounts yeah and regardless of all of that let's pretend which i absolutely don't believe that marge is the one who leaked this information right. to social media accounts it's bonkers it's right it's still information that was leaked about things that happened involving louis well before he ever made met Teresa that are ultimately his fault. And if he worked at a company that had some sort of morality clause or it was just incredibly bad press, I don't know that it's the fault of the show, just the show right. even in general, right. in making him a commodity for attention versus his responsibility for allegedly having these acts take place. Like, right. I would argue... That when they happened, they were in one of his like ex fiancés or ex girlfriend was had a big feature in New York Post and this other stuff well before Teresa. It's surprising to me that no one was upset before. Maybe the attention from the show forced his job to hold him accountable. Yeah, because you would have thought this would have come up because of how many <laughs> stories there were that yes. existed. Yes. You know. Yes. Well, and that goes to like my sort of earlier like I'm like. My problem with Teresa about that is like she kept saying, "You, yeah, but you're bringing it onto the show," and like Marge's point was like, "It's already in the press. It's already everywhere. So like, talk about it right here, cause we're gonna talk about it here, whether it's me or whatever." And Andy's point of like, even if you had managed to keep it off the entire I season, I would have asked it. you about it when you sat down on this couch. And that's where I get to like, yes, whether it's not accepting new information like how have you been doing this for this long and you don't understand how the show you're on works is sort of was my frustration and is she gonna get fucking over this like she's getting fucking married soon and fucking mazel the fuck tov like great yeah but when are we gonna are we never gonna be over this is she just fully set in hatred toward marge because that does not sound great like great tv to me i know and it's always been sort of a thing over there of like you know where she goes the show goes for better or worse um which is frustrating because like marge was like my favorite thing to happen to jersey you know in Mm. eons like since the og group like departed because she brought a humor and a and a willingness to poke at herself and everything that I really, really love that that franchise had a harder time with for a long time. And mm-hmm. I worry that if this is a like her or me type situation, what does that do to the show if Teresa won't let it go? And she sat at that reunion and told us about how she was still mad at Melissa for like choosing to get married while she was eight I months can't pregnant. Go over that. I, can't I go over laughed because I, I was like, go oh my gosh, that. we've I all thought for years that Teresa was mad because Melissa and Joe sort of discussed with the producers, like with or without, without her coming onto the show, her mm-hmm. show. Oh my God, no. It's about that wedding. It is about that wedding. It is still about that wedding. She is mad at her for (laughs) having to be a bridesmaid eight months pregnant. I was like, this is the root. This is the root cause. I think she's mad at her brother for leaving the family. I Uh, think in Teresa's head, Joe growing up and getting married was in some ways an affront to her and the brother-sister bond. And from that moment, Melissa was suspect and everything that she did was never good enough. And then we have the show itself. Yeah. Because like, do or don't like Melissa, whatever. Melissa's journey on this franchise is like, she has threaded a nude. This, wait, this will be our transition. You're welcome. She is. Wait, wait, wait. 
control question. Okay, but go, go, go. It's, go, a, it's go, not go. really, but I'm laughing because like this heads okay, to the next. But like, thread the noodle. Thread she, the noodle. She <laughs> needle, has, noodle. She has threaded a tighter needle than almost anyone, uh, except like Dorit Kemsley also had to do one as well. Like, and and for way longer than Dorit had to. But like the like the the tightrope with like Melissa, LVP. Yeah. What was the what was the Dorit? Oh, okay. J- just question. like the journey of like coming in as like a minion, like the her first two yes. seasons where she was half a person because she like could not go afoul of like her entry point, you know. And then anyway, I feel like what we're seeing from Dorit now is like the fruition of like a very long journey. But Melissa's been on a tightrope every day, every shoot, the entire time. Yeah, because Melissa was like the anti-minion versus Dorit, who's like willing to do minion-esque protocol. Melissa's like, we don't, I've already been to HR. Like, I'm not, we're not there. But still having a like, you still always get to watch Melissa go, it's not worth it. Like, whatever the thing was, it's one of my favorite things that you can still see in Melissa's face. Like, the thing I would like to say, like, if we weren't related, the thing I would say is, but I'm just going to. Let it go to the ether. Like, pull the thought. Release. A hundred percent. Before we um, pivot to BH, <laughs> I do want to just reference something that I saw on Instagram today. Yes. Um, by the account Bravo and Cocktails, uh, uh, friend of the friend of the me, I guess. Important um, news. Fr- important news and a, a terrific account that gives true yes. zero fucks and in fact oddly enough i thought this was kind of strange that the show never actually credited her for right she was the account that like actually brought a lot of this stuff to light or at least consolidated it for many yes. aspects of the bravo community that that was kind of wild that they didn't credit just her be like once. this is where it came from yeah yeah i was like okay but, <laughs> like because that is right. serious hard work yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and so she posted something on Instagram earlier that I just thought was kind of interesting. And it says, "Hot take: Louis agreed with everything Teresa said about Margaret, but wanted to change the way the public saw him. He let Teresa take the fall and look belligerent, such a gentleman." And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I mean, that's interesting. That certainly could be true, right? That he's like, "Well, you've already burned. You're you're the star of the show, and you're setting it on fry on fire." So I can make myself look good. Your job is not in danger if you stick with it by seeming to be the one calming um, and conciliatory. I mean, that certainly is possible. I mean, I mean, I saw it this afternoon and I was like, ha ha. But I had watched Jersey last night before I recorded an hour long Patreon, including talking about my feelings as I process it because I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, but I watched it last night. I saw this Instagram post and I was like, oh, my God, because I was thinking that like he did a pretty good job xyz but this is interesting and then i watched the episode again and i actually don't think that i agree or rather i think that louis is playing the part i think he got in the words of summer house activated when (laughs) andy said to him essentially involve yourself in this like do the oprah thing that we know that you care about and i think from that point he changed maybe a little bit of his thinking yeah. in the sense of making sure it was actively clear that he wanted to be not conciliatory, but that he wanted to, he wanted to include a level of grace and make the effort to show that he was interested in moving on. And I wonder what his conversation was with Teresa before the reunion started if he was echoing her if he was trying to calm her down because I didn't get the sense 
before Andy said involve yourself that he was interested in truly ha- working with Teresa to move on. I just saw him allow if, not in a way that's misogynistic but like allowing a chaotic environment to continue i didn't see him interest unless he was thinking he was going to exhaust her out just let her spin and spin until she got tired yeah Teresa never will so like i just didn't see from him judging by his reaction until andy asked him to intervene that that was interest of interest to him necessarily but then from that moment on when he went on stage i was like he's really interested in moving on it's interesting as I don't know where he was on like, will I move on? But I feel like with mm-hmm. the way that he's sort of with, with her in the confrontations in the season, like give me, give me space to like, let me answer, you know, with the like dinner, you know, with the beach house, I feel like there's a part of him that is okay with explaining. Cause he feels good about where he is, whether, you know, we'd all agree mm-hmm. with it or not. That's like, I can answer for myself. I think there's a part of him that finds a little bit of her, frustrating if it's like i can i can speak for myself because i think he thinks he has good answers to the questions does that seem crazy it doesn't it just makes me wonder why he chose her if he is so interested in having seemingly emotionally intelligent conversations when he's not out a thousand yeah because he himself has said i was in a series of toxic relationships that involves him as a form of that toxicity which is different from what he had said in previous episodes where he's like these women are just chasing the spotlight and they're all bad now i think the reunion was the first time where he was truly acknowledging that he was a participant in the toxicity i just wonder why Teresa, if he's interested in having conversations about how he feels which might be different from how she reacts well here's where how is this gonna work i feel like Teresa's one of the definitely is she's a hundred percent different when she does not feel threatened like i think of like really good point i think of girls trip Teresa. i I laughed because like on girls trip i was like that's a Teresa we don't see as often because on her show she's always ready right so defensive you have to be ready Because you never know where it's going to come from. Like, if you're at the top of the pyramid, everyone is t- could be trying to take you down. And so I think that Louis in love with Teresa, I absolutely believe, like, two people, when she is open to you, I think that experience of Teresa would be point. 100% different. And so as long as he's not doing anything, you know, to, to cause that, to trigger that even... I, I think being in love with a hothead isn't a crazy thing as long as it doesn't become like it's coming at you all the time. So mm. it's like, oh, I'm your safe place. I would imagine with him, she's lovely. You know, I'm thrilled with this guy. He makes me feel good. He tells me how much he loves me. He demonstrates it in ways. He says it in smart ways. He, you know, I think of all the things that are not her Joe uh, that makes sense that she would be drawn to and that the version of her he might get of this like woman who just wants to be loved who like has these daughters and this life and all the stuff she's been through. I bet who he gets is not who we see on that couch. And so there isn't that conflict actually existing in the relationship. And it makes sense that you'd be like, I don't like the way you deal with external conflict, but that's not the same as like how you do with me. Then there isn't the same issue. 
A hundred percent. I think that's a great point. And also she herself said on Watch What Happens that they haven't fought, which means potentially that maybe they're in an environment where she does feel really comfortable and safe and maybe he feels the same. And also sidebar, maybe the reason not that I agree with it, I don't, but maybe the reason she doesn't want to sign a prenup is based on him losing his job. Maybe she feels somewhat responsible for that and regardless of the fact that he has more money than she does according to her and maybe his current accounts like who knows but maybe there's an element here of like I want you to trust me in that for better or worse maybe we're dealing with a little bit of the worst now and I want you to know that I don't believe, you know, X, Y, and Z will happen if we split. Maybe yeah. some of that is related to the news that he lost his job. I mean, Well, also, possible. I think it's the loyalty thing too, right? Because yeah. there, there's a perspective on prenups that like no matter how you are, good you are about it, that's part of you is saying that I think it's possible it won't, right? And with the way she feels about like loyalty and commitment and all of that, I don't, I don't see her also being able to be like, yeah, I'm going to like put a put a clause forward that's like, but just in case, you know, I, I can see it just purely on that level too. And I don't think it is, but like seeing it as the, like the insults that, you know, uh, people have often think about how many prenups we've been through Todd and candy. Like we just spent mm. the whole summer house season talking about, it's a oh fascinating thing to watch, particularly when like, with like reality stars where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, the reason for the prenup is the thing we're also doing right now too is weird. A hundred percent. And it is also a little bit of a TBD and depending on what happens with the filming of their wedding, which is somewhat in dispute a little bit of what's going to happen there. I think um, at least right now. Really? Are they in a like, will they, will they, won't they? Is it part of the next season or is it, do we not know? I, I don't know if they're negotiating some sort of special, which I would doubt. Maybe yeah. just because of the level of volatility attached to this. Yeah. But she said that she she said that they're still discussing it. And I assume that's for some sort of financial incentive. <laughs> yes. And listen, <laughs> she has every right to try to figure yes. out how to make this happen at a premium because Correct. it sounds like that wedding's gonna be fucking pricey AF. I just so. want to see the seating charts. Um, I want to know which Sex and the City character Louis sees himself as the most because the reveal that Sex and the City was his favorite show was fucking adorable. I know. And I loved it. I loved it. It's also, and to him, you know, in trying to give grace, we've talked a lot about it in my cameos here. Um, I also hope that there's... Your quarterly report. (laughs) Correct. My quarterly check-ins. Hey, guys. It's this Emerson with my book report on the current state of the Bravo universe. Q3 AG. Also, I was definitely that child. Like, hi, my book report is... um, uh, but I don't know where I, I lost it. I lost the thread. Uh, Louis. Thank um, you. Sex um, in the oh, city. yes. But like giving the grace of like, maybe you are, you know, whatever these trauma and what you and other mm-hmm. people have done to each other in relationships, there is room for you to be new and different now too. And maybe part of him is like, I want to show you, I'll show your friends. I will prove to mm-hmm. this audience that I'm not the person that I was when A, B, and C. Um, and there, there shouldn't be a life expiration on, on changing your mind, Gross. changing your behavior. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. And then, you know, shifting gears a little bit to Beverly uh, Hills, uh, what happens when your behavior doesn't change? Which oh, to me was the theme yes. of a phenomenal, I don't even know, was it the second episode? The yes. Third? No, it was the second. Second. Oh, fucking crazy. I know. I actually thought the episode was over and then I was like oh my god I still have 11 minutes to go I know wow 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 how is our franchise that has never managed to accomplish anything doing like so much is happening 
so much is happening. I'm literally, I, I, I'm at the literal edge of my seat right now. Uh, curious for your thoughts on on all of it. Mention it all, Emerson. I could not be more thrilled. I feel like everyone is firing on all cylinders. You know, there's uh, the the interesting way in which real life right intrudes into our reality life. I, mm. I was thinking about had the like horrifying events that Dorit went through uh, with mm. the break in not happened. And these yeah. first two episodes just been about a watch what happens live interview about a charity event that was Still multiple years great. ago. Still would have been great. I you don't it, think so? I think it would have been fine. But oh. I think because I there's part of me. I mean, I saw the episode, so I knew what they were talking about. But I think about like both of your references are things that are not current. I think mm-hmm. there could have been an element of like, are we going to do six episodes on like yeah. a, an Elton John fundraiser from like five years ago? And we're going to once like the Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy is like mm-hmm. Neil, Neil Patrick You're Harris is ha- somehow involved. But because of the juxtaposition of like the highest end like charity fundraiser ticket purchase drama. Like, first of all, that's what I come to Housewives for. I am not one of those people like I really don't I really don't want your like life I don't want your life to be traumatic I appreciate when traumatic things happen and you share it with us but I do not Mm -hmm. wish trauma on any of these women ever if they just sat around and argued about nonsense I would still show up the original presentation of like rich people and rich people problems sold Mm me but the balance the juxtaposition of that with like the genuine like vulnerability that PK and Dorit uh shared uh, but also, my, here's my sermon on the mount for today. <laughs> the like nonsense, the, no, the nonsense people online, and I'm sorry, you are nonsense people who are convinced that this is somehow faked, a, fr- a fraud attempt or whatever. Emerson, that's a big uh, sidebar. It, I might disagree with you, but I don't think that it's nonsense because I want you to keep listening. So don't be, you um, know, let's not. It's probably a big part of the listenership, to be honest. I'm dead serious. Who really a lot think- of people question it. A lot I know, of people question it. But here's my reasoning. And I appreciate it. That's the reason I did it. It's my sermon, of course. Like, if we don't bring controversial opinions, what fun are we having here? Ask, um, don't ask the listeners because I've heard quite a few reactions no they get you <laughs> get to yeah, yeah, bring yeah. them that but that's the fun of like because also like none of us are having a real impact on this situation let's remember that um I, mean, I do not believe there is any world in which dorit kemsley is a good enough actress to perform the scene 100%. on the bench outside of 100%, the party 100 100 that's my that's my only because like 100 people were like it's all fake she had a plan from the beginning i'm like that performance right there I was like, don't question the qu- trauma. She's 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 a woman in trauma. She's we have trauma. so that's my that is my only like. I'm like so it cannot all be fake, uh, because of that moment for me. That is my big, uh, statement on today on that portion of the adventure. And it's fine. You're welcome to come and disagree with me, but I really did. I was like, we've seen a lot of like people experience bad things on these shows and whatever. But watching literally her physical body go. Because what I watched happen was, like, we came, we told the story, we agreed to do the reunion on camera. Obviously, they FaceTime and discussed, like, I will come and we'll say this and we'll be there long enough to get the story out. And then we got to go. What Seeing them walk out of what I watched happen was her walk out of the building and go, okay, we did what we needed to. We fulfilled our commitment. And then when he went, wait, where's my phone? Her body, it's like when you get home and you need to use the bathroom. You know, and so you're like, oh, I'm so home. And my body knows, like, now I have to pee like the world's ending because I know I'm close to the bathroom. If you suddenly get stopped at the doorway, you're in so much pain. It felt like that, like adrenaline, anxiety, all of that happening in her body of like, I thought we were escaping. And now you're going back inside and my body's like already finished uh, with all of this for today. That makes sense. 
I think she, yeah, and I think she was just trying to convince herself that she would be okay yes. by saying out loud, I'm okay, I'm okay. It's because she's very clearly not okay. It's yeah. what you are doing in the moment. Everybody has a different reaction to trauma, which can have lifelong effects on yes. how you react to things in the future. And I think in the moment, she was still in that place. Um, and I think it's a difficult, here's the thing, is that I don't think in any way Dorit, I, I think Dorit was robbed any questions about anything outside of that? I only care about the fact that Dorit was robbed. I don't believe that she <laughs> knew it was going to happen. That's my, yes. Her kids' lives were quite clearly put in danger. I do believe that these people who came into her home did tell her they would kill her. I, I think she was absolutely very clearly traumatized. Yeah. And I think if you watched her reaction and her behavior and watch what happens, you can see elements of that that are very much she herself was like, I was essentially triggered watching this. And the fact that we're all discussing it, yeah. she's dealing with some stuff. And I fervently yada yada. Yeah. The thing that I think yes. makes people feel a certain way, not to devil's advocate that, because I again, I can't more clearly state that I fervently believe that what she said happened to her happened to her and that she was, to me, very clearly traumatized. That being said, I actually don't think it's wild that people are questioning this, considering having nothing to do honestly with Dorit and PK who people take issue with because of PK's long reported and admitted yes. financial difficulties and everything else even putting that aside which is an element of why a lot of people are raising question marks when you think of how fraud has played an enormous role even in the season prior and regardless of Erica's smart-ass remarks, the way it is going to continue on Beverly Hills and Salt Lake City, but specifically on Beverly Hills, when the guy no one really had any questions about for at least a while specific to the show itself in this universe – turns out to have swindled innocent victims of over a hundred million dollars. When you think about that and the fact that people believed he was a certain way and then were deceived, actively deceived yeah. by his behavior and an environment that his wife worked very hard to protect. And you hear what happened with Dorit and PK. I end you understand reported financial difficulties I do understand how people could be thinking about fraud because of what happened and is going on with Erica and Tom. It doesn't mean I agree yeah. that Dorit was in on something, but I understand that the landscape was set up prior to enable, I don't even think it's related to like the Judy Jays and stuff. Judice's Judice's. I have to say all three at once. Yes, like I know. Because like, I, I no longer know what to say. Can't do one. Got to do three regardless. <laughs> um, but I think that there is a landscape that has changed here, which means people are going to be maybe more curious <laughs> yes. for information because yes. her cast member... <laughs> This is like national news. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. I totally get that too. But my counter to it then would be, right, but also you would have to be the dumbest person to ever do reality television if a literal cast member's husband on the show that you are related to is having like 
legal fraud related things happening and then think, you know what? But I can do it. <laughs> it's a yes and. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like, what do you think? Like, oh, we watched how that went and that they didn't do it right. I could do it better. Look, I mean, certainly all the theories, um, but I don't want to negate her experience. But I get why people, and we're also prone to be very suspicious now of people anyway, uh, because we have seen it happen. But I do, I would think you would have to be even... It would be like if it was your first season and no one had ever been accused where you could think, oh, I could get away yeah. with this. But now at this point, oh my gosh, to think, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do it better than all the other ones that have been caught. It's also, it's so wild the ways that this Dorit incident is being used so quickly after. The ways that Kyle, who is in my top five favorite housewives, which doesn't mean I am not entirely happy to drag her as necessary. That's the kind of fan I am. I'm able to hold people I like accountable. I'm not just saying she's the piece of shit because of things that I see her do that I think are shitty. That being said, I understand that she's protective of her friend. I understand that she felt that Sutton was uh, tone deaf to the situation. Yes. I think Sutton contemplating over the time that has passed would probably agree with some aspects of that. But if you are sitting down with someone, as Kyle did with yes. Sutton this week, yes. and you say to this person, this terrible thing happened and you were not sympathetic and that was horrifying to me, you need to explain to me why. And this person actually has an explanation. It doesn't negate right. Kyle's feelings about how she felt. It doesn't negate what Kyle has now started with Dorit and PK by telling them and and everyone else, which is obviously Erica, the best thing that's ever happened to Erica's life is finding <laughs> out about this. Yes. Um, all that being said, it doesn't take away from that. But if if this woman is saying to you, I was triggered because I was robbed when I was a child and my father died by suicide involving a gun and you your response back to her is this moment isn't about you when you yourself said to her I need you to explain how this is about you so I can I can process you even saying yes that was an insane moment to me. I have to tell you, Kyle's response was absolutely, unbelievably as callous as she believes that Sutton was. I have to that, say okay, it. I'm so glad that you said that because that's what I laughed at I at thought, the end I of it. I thought it was so callous. Because I thought... I thought, thought so, ca- so, unsymp- so I thought unempathetic. You literally just did to Sutton what you're accusing Sutton 100%. of doing to Dorit 100%. by proxy. 100%. Well, first 100%. of all, the first... The first conversation I loved on every level because I got it on both sides like Sutton is having a day Kyle's like this is all I can think about and you like uh, this is not the same we are not in the same place today that was just great scene work because like that happens in real life I would feel different if Sutton had been sitting with Dorit about it you know it's like not being but it's like it didn't happen to you Kyle so like being a little less sensitive as we're talking about a thing that I still have to live my life even when this terrible thing happens which I like like, kind of don't entirely believe (laughs) I don't understand I get it I get it it it. was still bonkers but it was like a great thing and it, I mean, and I we all have a it, French designer who couldn't get past customs. I understand. I mean, it actually happened to mine the other day. He was Chilean, but, you know, like, same, same. 
Um, like, but that, but that is how, that is the housewives that I love. Like, I really am stuck on what's going to happen if we can't get this thing in. Yes, this crazy thing happened, but like, here I am. And yeah, we'll get to that. But I need to tell you what's going on in my day first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we'll get to the, you know, the thing that happened. I loved every level. And I loved Kyle bringing it back up. That's good housewives TV. Hey, it was crazy to me the other day that I, we, that this thing happened to our friend and you were like worried about like immigration. That is not equivalent. Like Mm -hmm. that bothered me, frankly, but to then what you talked about to not receive the information as shared back like whether you agree with it or not if somebody says back to you what Sutton said about like I can't go towards those spaces because it hits these places for me you can't be like nope <laughs> which is what Kyle did she went nope I, not received not understood I was like but also okay great this is what I'm here for I mean, I thought it was honestly a wild and highly interesting moment, Yeah. as was the entirety of the table seat ticket, Michigas, for Sutton to have those receipts, not be allowed to share them, and Diana to be such a boss. I just... When I tell you that, like, everyone's performance at that table, it reminded me of the backyard scene, uh... The birthday, Garcelle's birthday. Oh. No, the, oh. yes, the Garcelle birthday party scene, you know, that we had all the elements, like we were at the bar and Dorit was fixing her lipstick. We got the crazy pants line. Like mm. that episode where like everyone performed out, this like was so the same for me. We're like on all the levels, everyone. I was like the, the mental gymnastics that Lisa Rinna achieved in the course of like a minute and a half of like, this is what? Well, I had the receipts. That's so tacky. Who brings receipt? Like, like just without even a blink, a complete 180. And then Garcelle just like, you have them show it to her. Diana being like, I don't know. I deal with the big, big money. I just <laughs> Like everyone at that table. I was like, this is performance art piece. Um, it literally is. And the thing of it is, I think some people miss LVP in this sense, guys, just bear with me. Let me finish <laughs> yes. in the sense of someone who can really piss off Lisa Rinna. Yes. And I look at Diana, who I know is introduced as Lisa's friend. But if you look at how fucking quickly Lisa went from trying to bury Sutton, reference this up, table shame her, even though there's a whole other conversation about like. Rinna said during that scene she bought two tickets and then gave them away but people you know Bravo if you bought journalists, them, if you bought them the they would donation, show up on the donation right yeah. regardless of whether or not you yeah. allow people to use, to use them, them in your place, and then they yeah. were sold out so were you trying to buy two more regardless of that Rinna was gleefully enjoying making Sutton feel bad, relishing and not accepting her apology until Diana used the language like you're both being silly and dumb. So move the fuck on. Yes. From that moment, Rinna didn't even finish her sentence. She went immediately into I'm embarrassed by this conversation that I set up that I have been participating in. That P.S. She doesn't seem to be that embarrassed because she's continuing it on social like literally this week. But I mean, also, I don't know. But she's just great at like at real time reliving the drama of the past for the sake of like the social media audience. You know, she Mm -hmm. all she does that every year. So that's sort of like she she reengages the season arguments as they happen on in real time. But what I loved was the like lack of logical attention at all to the Mm -hmm. fact that like, I can't believe you brought those. 
what do you mean? To this thing where I knew you were going to do this? You know, it'd be one thing if like I started the conversation with look, but like you can't say like it's so tacky that I have those when you definitely started this conversation. And so it's a good thing that I have. You know what I mean? That that like I, I brought them because I knew you would do this. And you did this, I, I, so I, I have I can't believe you're defending yourself. You won't allow me to pummel <laughs> you to the ground. I'm used to dealing with Denise, who will leave. But you're not even doing that yet. Even she, There were two moments that clicked to Rinna. One is Diana saying, stop, you look, this is stupid. And the other is Garcelle saying, I'm leaving the scene. It's... <laughs> You're actively, Rinna's like understanding, wait a second, but I need this person on my side. And also if she's saying I look dumb, then I'm going to look dumb. And also she is, has a fucking ton of money and power and whatever else. And then Garcelle saying you're losing me as a performer, essentially, (laughs) because this scene is so dumb. Yes. Those are the moments that can reel Rinna back and maybe the only ones. Yes. Uh, but, and it bodes so well for the seasons. I mean, the Diana Jenkins introduction was exquisite for me. Iconic. It, it, I'm it, obsessed with her. I'm it, obsessed with it her. It worked on every level. Like uh, Absolutely everyone. And the self-awareness. I love that she was like, nouveau riche. Like, you can't say that to her can't about get enough. her. She said, can't get enough. I made new money. I started really poor. I worked real jobs. I have all this money and I buy everything that the money can buy. I did. But so, our amusement, you know, Blake's a Disney super fan. And so the Rob Minkoff of it all. And also he's from the North Valley in L.A. So like like Crystal is as well. Mm-hmm. We laughed because I did the deep dive on Asher Monroe because I was curious. And he's handsome. Oh, um, He spent four years on Broadway as Chip in Beauty and the Beast. You're welcome. And so I laughed thinking there was definitely a whole like Disney conversation at that other table that they that is on like the. Oh, that'd be fun to watch, honestly. Right? That like someday, but you know, Rob, giant Disney, if I were Asher, yeah, my connection would be like. director. Yeah. I was also involved with it. I mean, I literally played Chip on Broadway for four years. Oh, I would like, love to watch. Because I love that moment where it's like all the guys talking books yes. and Asher's there and yes. he's engaged and I love that he's engaged and they're just making this moment work and I, I was into it. I liked it. I appreciated also that he showed up like, I'm ready to play. I'm here. Yeah, he's, the, like, he's his fiance. Their at home their at-home stuff was cute. He was also in a boy band uh, for oh, several years as well. Of, would we know the name? No, of the- B something. They definitely did like they performed on like the iHeartRadio type, like the big, you know, oh, okay. like a three year journey. But yeah, you're welcome. I was curious. And so, uh, but he was like active listening is what I would call it, like to the other husbands at the table. So like, I'm very excited about what Diana's going to do in the group dynamic. And like the fact that Sutton feels, a, that's the back and forth with Sutton and Erica. I was like, great. I'm glad that the fight is like on equal level. Like the snap back and forth of that. I was like, I'm glad Sutton is like happy to stand in it with her. I feel like we have lots to go. And my only question I have left is, where is Kathy Hilton? Well, well, Kathy, I think, was still negotiating her contract at the beginning <gasps> at of this the point? season. At this point? I well, think she joined late for that. On. But I don't know. And then she excuses herself and leaves before the party ends right. toward the end of the season. But yeah. um, the Erica stuff... I don't want to sound like a broken record, except like... <laughs> and yet, it's it's always worth repeating. Come on. I mean, and speaking of, by the way, sidebar, why can you not use It's Expensive to Be Me and um, 
how many fucks on Instagram stories. Why do I only have old Erica Jane uh, the archives weird. and not the new stuff? And you used to be able to have it. And this has it's just someone at Instagram HQ. If literally a single person works there. Yes. And, I and definitely. Yeah. Because it's certainly not like know. she's like, no, we're holding the license for like the Apple commercial. Right. Like what's going on? It's very weird. But anyway, regardless of that, <laughs> Erica taking her moment which she's gonna do for the entirety of this season yep to say that Sutton owes her an apology for slandering her you could argue that Erica owes Sutton an apology and not the reverse for putting all of these women into this position in general without taking responsibility for being a participant in the crime or whatever else I don't think Sutton's in the wrong for reacting to quite literal ongoing national news. Right. That that being said, the ways that Erica looks at Sutton as harming her life, <laughs> that she doesn't think about relating to Tom, it, it puts off so many, like, warning alarms in me that make me believe I, I mean if we're going to talk about I don't think this is a conspiracy theory but it's definitely a, a theory related to something I think I, there is a part of me a, bar, a big part of me that thinks that Erica believes that Tom did nothing wrong there is such a missing oh. piece here <laughs> of distorted anger that Erica has the right to feel about being in this situation and about people saying you're a criminal, you're a crook, yada, yada. Yeah. That isn't Sutton's fault. And the ways that she even used slander. And I'm thinking to myself, Sutton didn't put you in this position. Sutton's right. reacting to LA Times pieces, right. whatever else, about your husband being a crook. If yeah. you want to talk about someone slandering your reputation, <laughs> ask the man who stole a hundred million dollars and used it to further your career. Ask questions relating to Tom. If you can't ask him because of whatever situation he's in right now medically, you can certainly process this on some level. If we're going to talk about performance yes. art, yes. there is a level of performance Erica is unwilling to do, and I don't think it's because of a legal defense. I think it's because she really doesn't believe that what happened happened, and she'd rather blame Sutton than Tom. Yeah, or at the very least, if, you know, because I'll be honest, early on, I thought the like uh, mental incapacitation thing was likely a tactic from a brilliant lawyer who was like, if we go this way. Um, but I think now you're in like an institution and a play like that. That's a little far to take that performance. That was just my suspicion. So like, um, so if there's also the like, if you really are incapacitated in a way where I couldn't be angry at you, then like Sutton's the only target. But she has never expressed anything unrelated to uh his medical decline she has never seemingly expressed anger about the situation directed anywhere near tom yeah. noting that she was also filing for divorce immediately before this stuff broke yeah. i'm not seeing any anger toward him about whatever led to the disillusion of their marriage yeah. and i'm not seeing any anger toward him understanding that erica probably more than anybody else loves to relish in a little bit of misdirected rage. Yeah. And I'm not seeing any of that his way. We're not even talking what happened in your marriage, what happened in your divorce. Yep. 
we're well, barely it, talking about this other stuff. She's having too much fun. Is the only time that like she mentioned it at all was did Andy ask her about it at the reunion last year where he was like, "Are you angry at him at all?" Did am I inventing that? This is, I'm asking. He for probably I did, and she probably said, "Of course." Just like he was like, "But that's the Do you only feel time. empathy for the victims," and yeah. she says, "Of course." Like I don't, yes. I don't, I don't. But there's something oh, about totally. me that is in a complete. I just don't believe her. I I believe that she believes that. He, whatever this is is a conspiracy to bring them down yeah and well and also like if you really if you really felt that it would be coming up regularly i will like i can't even imagine how i would stop talking about it honestly we're in this in the same situation you would be like could you please like the man is in a home leave it stop like that it would be the only thing i could talk about um i mean and she chose to have glam like what ma'am we you were still playing this part we're yeah. still playing this part. Yeah. You're still going to have a creative director. Like, I don't even, if you're going to have a hairstylist and makeup, like, honestly, <laughs> that's a whole other Michigas because you are on a TV show and whatever else. But, like, right. we're still going to pretend that Mikey has a job related to this. Right. I mean, like, whatever in the life goes on of, like, if you're spending your money and stuff now, but still, if you had any feeling about the, like, the re- the rest of the circumstances, because I don't know how, at this point, you don't have, like, lots to say about the guilt associated with whether, you- if I knew nothing, I always go, what would I do, right? If I knew nothing, and then knew that, like, I had been doing all these things unbeknownst to me at the expense of some other people... I, I mean, I'm a guilt-oriented person anyway. I feel bad about stuff. I feel bad about well, stuff Well, I mean, I'm lot. Jewish. I get right. it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm Southern it was my half Torah. It was my half Torah portion. Yeah. It was like, and another thing about feeling bad. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to stop thinking about that. Of like, I would be staring at my stuff. Be like, uh, um. So not going that route. What I love is Sutton standing in once again. Because like everybody else, like whatever, we have a show to shoot and we can't talk about that all day every day. So her being the thorn in Erica's side, a little even more stronger, you know, than was great to see that launch for me. But Erica expecting an apology. I, I, here's the thing. We're all about talking about people's behavior and I can empathize with Erica and I can talk about the ways that you think about how she was yada, 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 Tom, yada, yada. Yep. I don't think she's a good person. I don't think that this has changed her. I don't think she's ever been good. I think that her life was a whole lot easier so she could have a lot more fun, but I don't think she's changed in the sense of any, everyone would change if this happened to them in some way, just as a way to just survive it she's in survival or at least was i think yes. she still is i think definitely yeah, but still. but i don't think that she was great and is now bad i don't know that she's ever been good i think she's always probably been a dick and has not been <laughs> able to like empathize with people in a way and yeah. i think that something is really fucking weird with this tom stuff because if this happened to me, I've had people on, I've had guests on, I've had friends who've said, if this happened to me, if whatever, I would rush all my stuff over and have it immediately sold to help the victims. I don't, I, God bless if you do that. I don't think that's realistic. I think yeah. she's fighting to keep yes whatever, yada, yada, and there are a bunch of people coming at yes. her way. Like her yes. legal strategy in some ways, I understand, even though I think the way she's misrepresenting wanting the victims to be helped while like contesting yeah. and fighting back is a, but, a whole and, other thing. And, and my one, my one caveat in there is like I don't think like wherever the, all the places the money went, you know, 
her, the house, the law firm, the lawyer, you know, it's not like, oh, she is the only one. You know what I mean? I do get the like. Oh, yeah. A, a bunch of people benefited. Like everybody benefited from right. it. So like when it comes to like fighting back placement. legal stuff, yeah. I don't expect her to show up at a U-Haul with a U-Haul right. with and be like, all no, of it's the Cartier fine. and yes. Panther and whatever else. Yeah, that's the only That thing. being said, if my husband of 20 something <laughs> years. Yes. Stole a hundred million dollars from victims and selfishly put me in the position to have to be the one to answer for his crimes. Yes, I would have a lot of anger. And if I was, if I was being rageful towards you because of that, there would be a moment where I would process the fact that I'm sorry I was a little bit of a cunt to you, but like there was other stuff going on. But, and like maybe I'm still pissed about some jokes that you made about this happening, but whatever else. But I would be very, very angry about being misled if I was thinking about it person out or out into the person. I'd be very angry that this man stole money from burn victims and orphans. I would be very angry, both about how he affected my life and other people's lives. And I'm, only seeing her being angry about her life being affected, not specific to Tom. Yes. And I, there is a level, I get it. She didn't grow up with money. She had to fight, blah, blah, blah. And yep. she's she fought hard. She did a lot of work to fucking stay in this marriage and probably put up with a lot of shit and yeah. did not anticipate this happening. What happened, happened. But also, I don't know. I think it's fucking bonkers. Yeah. That sitting here today, I can genuinely say that I don't think she gives a fuck about the people that were harmed because I think she's attaching it to an aspect of thinking, understanding, whatever else, that Tom was not entirely in the wrong. The way that she excuses his career stuff, the way she talked about Dennis on Watch What Happens, she is so fucking flippant. And I don't believe that it's only a defense mechanism. I think it's because she thinks this is her reality. And that is my soapbox moment. You Thank you very too. much. Sponsored by Dove. Oh, yes. Dish, Dawn, all of the above. No, it's <laughs> I like, love Dove. I love um, Dove. And all of those, I get that. All of that. You know, I really see that. Because I, my big thing is I have a hard time connecting to your disconnection. You know, at this point, you did a whole season. You did a whole reunion. And you could have the opportunity to see yourself. And if you looked at all of that and thought, yeah, perfect. I did that Yes, great. queen. I did like, that so great. I am nothing if not like <laughs> always cut up and like, was that good? I will. We will finish this momentarily. And I'll be like, was that good? Was that fun? I hope people enjoy it. Like instantly. Like it just, in, so like to not think anything you did at any point was like, I was not my best self uh, there with you. I don't even begrudge that part because I think that she's being attacked in so many ways, regardless of whether or not some of it's deserved, that I get her being defensive. I get her feeling like anything coming my way is related to everything else coming my way. Yes. I'm not even, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt with many aspects of that and the current environment she's in and the feeling of like high, enormous stress and the fact that this is not going away anytime soon regardless of whatever she's telling Garcelle that's like Correct. very immediately debunked. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's not even that. It's just there is 
anger toward Tom that I'm not seeing. I don't believe it's a part of a legal strategy or a legal strategy alone, because if it was, she would not have glam in her house. She would not be behaving toward the women in the way that she is. You don't get to say, I'm not going to feel this way toward a person because of legal strategy, but I'm going to do all this other shit that you know is not recommended. I think there's, I think she doesn't think it. And it's like, Sure. Does she have the right to believe that her husband is innocent? Okay. But then we're going to ask these fucking questions every fucking time. Yes. You, you and th- When you ask Sutton for an apology, I'm going to be like, okay, cool. You first. Right. Yes. And that's the, yes. Yes. You first. I would love, honestly. Yes. I know people who are yeah. friendly with Erica, who yeah. had great experiences and God bless. Yeah. And I think that's all fine and good. There is only... <laughs> There are two housewives I mm, there are two-ish housewives I would have no interest in speaking with on the pod and Erica is not one of them. And this would never happen even though I would be happy to tailor it to not getting into any specifics. Right. I genuinely even after what I just said about her being a piece of shit, which I mean who isn't? Well, I was going to say. Hers is it's a different flavor, but um even with all that being said, I would love to talk to her about some of her reactions genuinely no, yada, yada. I would love to chat with her because I think long form, which she would never agree to, right, would be interesting. I would only be interested in talking <laughs> about the things she would have no interest in talking Correct. about relating to uh-huh. Tom. You're like, very specifically, it's about I just, Tom. I just want to talk to you for like a very quick six to eight hour mini episode. And I just want to understand what inspired the divorce? <laughs> nothing, nothing uh-huh. that like legal people would be interested in. What inspired the divorce and how you feel about Tom? Yes. And how you feel about Sutton and what comes to mind when I say the name Sutton? <laughs> yes. And what comes to mind yes. when I say the name Tom? Even what comes to mind when I say Garcelle? Uh-huh. But also, it's about Tom. It is. It's about Tom. It's about Tom. It is. And weird that, like, I mean, yes, it's one of those common male names in the world. And But it's weird that, like, it's about Tom. Don't trust has, the Tom. Don't the Tom, trust the Tom. Literally, no housewife. Don't pick any more Toms. Have uh, we Tom, seen Tom. a good Tom? Well, oh, Tom Tom. Yeah, yeah, Schwartz I was gonna and say, Sandy. Schwartz, Schwartz and Sandy, Sandy. But, like, you know, that you know, they're having troubles. But, yeah, they're not in the same camp. They're, like. I mean, I think they're both saying it's about Tom, but about each other. Yes. So it's always about it's Tom. It's always about Tom. I mean, that was the problem. They're getting divorced because it was about Tom. Like, that's, you know. Ugh, I can't believe. I, I'm never going to watch that season. I watched the reunion. I'm never going to watch it. I'm never going to watch it. That last season? That just happened. Yeah, it just does not look good to me. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It just doesn't. But they got picked up again. I don't know who's going to be in the it, cast. It was very, I know. That would be, are we doing the Valley, like raising babies or what are we doing? Um, but I don't their, know. Their season finale was at the Sunstone Winery, which is very fun for us because in the like pandemic era, when we could first go places, we drove two hours north to a winery for Blake, oh. where because you could drive up, walk just to your patio table. Everyone had masks. They would bring the so tastings. Nice. So it was like our first venture out was to the very winery oh. where James and Raquel's um, doomed engagement was celebrated. I do have to say, shouting out locations, I yeah. did have dinner with the Smith sisters, <gasps> um, mm-hmm. stars from Radio Andy and yes. Emmy-nominated um, super women, super yes. fab, super fierce, super everything. Yes. Um, but we did have dinner at the location when I went to L.A. in October at the location where Harry's birthday was held. <gasps> yes. I was like, oh, my God, it was 
fantastic. I couldn't tell you the name of it, but it was great. And it's connected to that hotel, which is like yes. where essentially that long table was. Yes. Highly recommend it. It was a really great, very chic um, sort of bougie LA experience. And I loved that um, Dorit filmed there because I yes. remember when they did paparazzi shots to, with the, the two days after the um, – the uh the incident at Dorit's because I think I was like talking to Mariah or Lauren about oh my god that's where we just had dinner that's um, amazing well and now because of this episode I want to have like a dinner at the Andas I mean we chase places I I don't know if I've told you before we had a we did Blake's birthday when you're at the Quiet Woman we drove like two <gasps> hours down to Orange did County you? Shannon came in uh, that night. While we were there, remind me, I will send it to you. We reenacted the oh, photo of Kelly blowing, please. like fish blowing on the door behind send it Peggy Suleiman. I'm going to use it as a part of the graphic on IG. I'm like we chase locations. We do that. No, literally the guy came over to the table. They sat us at the the table and then moved us to a corner booth that was better. But he was like, I know why you're here. Um, Shannon's coming in for her birthday in a little while if you stay. And we got to see her at The Quiet Woman. Wait a second. Don't we have the same birthday? Wasn't it March 27th? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, March 27th. Because Shannon's birthday is... I share mine with um, Vicky Gumbelson, which I pretend to ignore, which I do actively ignore. But That's Shannon's birthday is the day before, the 26th. My uh, queen. Yes. My broken bird. I love that. Uh, I love that. Listen, I could talk to you forever. Same. I'm, thank you for your quarterly... <laughs> My quarterly check-in. And y'all, I adore you all. I love, And I love hearing from y'all what you think of what we talk about. Please feel free to hit me up and share your thoughts and opinions. All are welcome. And I love being here. And I would say like 86% are welcome on my end. So be judicious, Amy. You deal with um, it a little more constantly than I do. I do. I do. Emerson Collins, tell the folks what you got cooking, where they can follow you on social, anything you want to hint to in the yes. future. Tell us what's up. The uh, You can always find me. I'm big responsive on Instagram now, Emerson Collins. I do check the tweets. I've been trying to do that a little more, even though it's like a hellscape. Uh, mm. at actually, Emerson. And a fun thing, Blake and I did a bunch of live stream cabaret shows from our living room during the lockdown era. And we did a tryout of a show here in L.A., in February and in the next like week and a half or so, we should have a very fun announcement of like, we're going on the road and doing something. <gasps> oh, that's very exciting God. for me. Yeah. That's going to be very exciting. And where can people find out more? Uh, that, that I will out? definitely post that. Up? It'll, it'll show up on socials on Insta and then tickets for everything will be available on my website, emersoncollins.com. You guys are not going to want to miss it. I, okay, fine. I I'll tell you the title. Okay. It's, tell me it's called. I dreamed a dream girl. Oh, oh my God. Because I sing like Diet Josh Groban and he sings like one of the muses from Hercules. So I dreamed up and Dream Girl. And the opening number is that those two songs mashed up. It's horrifying and fantastic. Wait, do you have video of it? Yeah, I'll send you some clips. Okay, I want to see it. That's iconic. That's also a fabulous title. Can right? Can take a moment? That's, mm-hmm. an, that's, a, that's a dreamy title. Yeah. I'm going to tell you. It's a dreamy title. I mean, die for it. And guys, speaking of things that are dreamy and hopefully... Maybe not fatal. I was going to do a twist on To Die For, but uh-huh. now I'm also thinking about Nicole Kidman, so I'm all over the place. Um, the Andy's Girls Patreon, number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes, invites to special Zoom kikis, and more. Big announcement coming out um, that some of you might be particularly interested in. So join the AG Patreon. They're going to get the first word about what I've got cooking, and also an hour-long bonus episode went, went out last night where I live-reacted to do. Bye and share some thoughts on recent episodes. 
based on some of your reactions and more. So it was a very much a behind the scenes style um, Patreon app. And I have a Satchel Spectacular coming out soon. So look forward to that. And uh, Instagram at Dame Galley. Emerson Collins, thank you for this nine hour episode. Always a joy. I love it so much. Guys, I hope you're all doing okay. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.